So today we are going through the Gospel of John and we will be in John for a few months more as we look at who Jesus was and is. Today we are going through the next passage moving into John 8 with this story of the adulterous woman. Some of us may know this passage well. We see a scene that is shocking to watch. A surprised woman who has been caught in the very acts of adultery with the Pharisees, then thrown in front of a crowd of people with Jesus in the middle, simply in order to trap Jesus. But they are going to be surprised at Jesus' response, and this woman will eventually go away safe and sound. Jesus in this passage shows as a wonderful and hopeful message. So let's have a good look together. So first we see Jesus who goes to the famous mountain of olive trees, perhaps to pray and spend time with his Father God. And in the early morning he went down to the temple to teach. And we come to this verse Three, we can read, the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery and placing her in the midst. They came to trap Jesus as they do many times during his life. We can find few situations in Matthew 16 or in Mark 10. And blinded by hypocrisy, and hatred, they have the cruelty to reveal in public this woman whom they sized when she was not yet judged or condemned. They then tell him, Now in the law Moses condemned us to stone such a woman. So what do you say? So they were surely referring to Leviticus 20, verse 10, which tells us, if a man commits adultery with another man's, man's wife, with the wife of his neighbor, both the, the adulterer and the adulteress are to be put to death. It is sad to see that, is it just the woman who is accused of adultery and that the man has nothing to worry about? The way the verse actually reads is that she was caught in the very acts of adultery. Where is the man? If they were in the acts, surely they would have seen him, not who he was. The Bible is clear on this point. Adultery is against God's way for both parties, male and female. It takes two to tango, and yet history has often bent the truth. It's the woman who is dragged out to be used by these people to test Jesus. Did they care about the adultery at all? Are they worrying about the sin? Or are they just finding ways to shut Jesus up? 
they certainly didn't care about the law of God enough to follow it. The sin is to be punished on both parties, male and female. The woman is being used, perhaps she is used to it. Once again, she is used by men for what they want, taken to Jesus. This is clearly against the law of God. So the Pharisees ask him what he thinks about it. Their plan, depending on his answer, was to accuse Jesus before the Sanhedrin, the Jewish court, as someone who disregards the law of Moses. Then we read in verse 6. These they said to test him, that they might have some charge to bring against him. If he doesn't condemn her as a teacher of the law, he has got it wrong or is disobeying it. This would discredit him before the people and betray by the Jewish courts. If Jesus does condemn her and says, yeah, kill her, he will be seen as harsh by the people. A stoning hadn't happened regularly for a long time by, by this point. Further to this, Roman authorities would have something to say about that. Only Rome had the authority to punish with the death penalty. The Jewish religion couldn't just kill someone for breaking their religious law at that time. They were living under Roman rule. So Jesus' response was neither of the accepted answers. He bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. We see Jesus here behaving oddly. He writes on the ground. We don't know any more than that. What he wrote exactly, we don't know. Maybe he was ignoring them because he knew what they were doing. Perhaps he was drawing or remembering that these little people came from the dirt he was playing with. Perhaps he was just writing the, the list of their sins in the ground as, as they asked him to judge just her. Perhaps he was using it as an allusion of the law that they are asking him to obey or disobey, get right or wrong by their standards. Remembering that this law given to Moses was written by the finger of God. Like it's written in Exodus 31 verse 18. And he gave to Moses when he had when he had finished speaking with him on Mount Sinai the two tablets of the testimony, tablets of stone, written with the finger of God. But we don't know. We can use our imagination. But God has not told us 
therefore we are not meant to know. It is not the point of the passage. But while he, he was writing in the ground, he was still being interrogated. interrogated. He finally stands up and answers them with this sentence. Let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. This response is surprisingly wise. Jesus doesn't answer them directly with do it or do, or do not. As with most of the traps launched by the Pharisees, Jesus responds with intelligence and wisdom. In his response, Jesus puts a condition that no one can fulfill. Only those of you who are without sin can be the one to throw a stone first. And as Jesus leans down and continues to draw on the ground in verse 8, his, wounds, his response stir the hearts of his hearers. Jesus has just pointed the finger that indirectly at the accusers and it is their own conscience that will accuse them. This divine response which confused their, these cunning and hateful accusers reminds them of their own lives. Their conscience will highlight their own sin. So let's read in verse 9. But when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the oldest one. And Jesus was left alone with the women standing before him. As Jesus drew on the ground, the people and the Pharisees left the place one by one. We are told that the oldest first, perhaps because their experience of life and their wisdom quickly understood the reality of what Jesus had just said. Until the last one left, leaving Jesus and the women alone, the reality of the state of their heart and their conscience accuses them. This sentence falling on the accusers had removed all means and all desire to accuse the women and Jesus, either before the Sanhedrin or with the people. The fact that they abandoned the women they accused in this way clearly shows that there was nothing official in the mission they had given themselves, simply out of hatred against Jesus. No matter how blind and hardened these Pharisees are, there are situations where people can't resist the force of moral truth. What will it be like on the day of judgment? Everybody is sinful. Each person, everyone, seeing themselves in the light of divine holiness, 
will pronounce their own sentence. Jesus clearly invites us to not judge others. I find that this sentence of Jesus resonates in my heart today. It is so easy for us to be on the side of the Pharisees and accuse others of sinning in plain sight. To judge others, we can be contemptuous. We can be harsh in our thoughts or in our words when we see a, bro a brother or sister sinning. One thing to understand is that we are all sinners. And the Bible, the law of Moses, our own conscience, accuses. us. In the light of God, we are all sinners. There is no greater or less sin. A sin is a sin. So who are we to judge others? Only God is the, the just judge, the one who knows all things, who searches our hearts. I believe that this state of consciousness should move us to repentance, to humble ourselves before the eternal finger of God. Let's come back to verse 10 and 11. Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go and from now, now on, sin no more. As we finally meet this woman, we can see a little more of her now. The big, now the big bullish men have been sat down. Jesus gives, gives her space. As a human in her own right, not someone else toy to catch Jesus with. This woman who was caught in adultery and who was dragged to the square, in who knows what state, before Jesus and a random crowd. I think this woman clearly thought that she was going to die this day. But yet, thanks God, she fell on Jesus. And Jesus delivered her from these accusers. He said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? And she said, no one, Lord. This woman had stayed, here, stayed there. She could have taken advantage of the fact that everyone was leaving to escape herself. Yet she remained. Surely she was surprised and touched by the words of Jesus. But we see faith here. In a little word, Lord. Lord can mean sir, but can also mean master, and is often used in a stronger sense for Jesus, the master of masters, the master of all. In her recognition of Jesus as the master of this nasty man 
who were using her from their own games, he really is her master and theirs. We see her faith here, small as it may have been, because of her recognition of him as Lord. I think she is also waiting to know what her master, the one who has saved her, waiting for what her saviour will tell her now, this saviour who is this man without sin. Jesus will say this liberating sentence to her. He says to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and from now, now on, sin no more. He drops the charge against her. He doesn't say to this woman, as to another sinner in Luke 7, verse 48, your sins are forgiven you. But not to condemn is to absolve. Because of her faith and this divine mercy is all that is needed to bring repentance and re regeneration to the heart of this woman and all people. Jesus ends by saying that she can live, but that she must live her sinful life. And we hope that this act of grace will keep her away from sin. Because when you meet the Savior, in whatever small way, he, he knows that we can live our sin because of his grace. Her small faith allowed Jesus to reveal his grace to her in a transforming way. Not that Jesus condemned the sin. He condemns her to go and sin no more. But he doesn't condemn the sinner, as he, as he knows that there is a way for her to escape the deserved stoning, the deserved death. We are like this woman. The law, the sin, the devil, our thoughts, everything accuses us. We are guilty. But there is a way to leave our sin. And this way is through Jesus. He took the deserved stoning. He died on the cross. He accomplished everything. He has removed the, the accusation that hangs over us. He accomplished everything on the cross. We can read in Colossians 2 verse 14, by cancelling the record of death that stood against us with its legal demands. This is set aside, nailing it to the cross. Like this woman, we should be in her place. We should be put to death because we are constantly failing to be perfect to respect the law. As Christians, as believers in Jesus Christ, 
we are no longer accused. We have freedom in Jesus. He invites us to follow him and to live our sinful life. If you have not yet taken the step with Jesus, I seriously invite you to think about it. Like Jesus who looked on this woman with compassion, God looks at us with compassion. He forgives us and delivers us if we accept him as Lord, as Master, as Saviour. And as followers of Jesus, we should have this same attitude to walk away and sin no more and look at others like us, sinners, with compassion. Don't judge and accuse, but have love for others who are lost because they can be forgiven like us. Jesus is the right judge and this judge died on the cross for us. He took the blame. He offered, a, he offered his life. He showed us a way to leave our sin. I want to say that if you are struggling with your sin, there is a way to be forgiven. There is a way to live a sinful life. life. And this way is Jesus. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we want to, to praise you for what we've heard today. That your Holy Spirit work in us, work in our hearts. I want to praise you because you, you look at us with compassion. There is a way in you to live our sinful life, Lord. And we are so grateful for that. Help us to be more like you, Lord. We need you. Amen.